everyone. We have commissioners on our meeting of Jan uh, February 28, 2023. Uh, we'll open with uh, item 12A, and that is approval of the minutes of January 31st, 2023. Are there any changes or corrections to the minutes? I'm not seeing any. Uh, is there any public comment on the minutes? Yes, we have Eva. Please unmute. Thank you. Excluding the names of public speakers from the meeting minutes is a failure of transparency since frequently speakers have a conflict of interest. I provide an example from a recent municipal meeting in Belvedere in which angry white residents with scant evidence insisted that coyotes were a threat to them and needed to be exterminated. With the names of the speakers, I was able to track which one had received decades of funding from the right-wing anti-environmentalist billionaire Charles Koch, and which ones were merely vulture real estate hedge fund managers and soi-disant ESG investors. That's context. With regard to these meetings, I received a call on February 6th from one of MHA public commenters named Alan Berland, a retired attorney who once represented the developer who cheated black Marin City residents back in the 1950s, 60s. Mr. Berlin told me that he had been instructed by the white activist group here not to speak anymore at public comment because his own personal history with that developer was problematic, and he repeatedly told me, forget about the Grizzly letter. Well, I can't. Two prominent white activists here are on the executive committee of Marin Sierra Club chapter, and in addition to the racist legacy of the Sierra Club itself, its current social media incarnation, rebranded as, quote, Sustainable Bay Area, or on Twitter, at Better Bay Area, has come out swinging in support of developers who are skirting the law to provide as little as 20% affordable housing. Just this morning, failed Sausalito City Council candidate and entrepreneur Sam Rubin called into the Board of Supervisors regarding a TGV item, and I have much to say about his company, but not much time, so I will wait. All that is to say that there's an enormous amount of money hovering over the Residence Council, and that money and its influence has powerful sway. The public has a right to at least know the names of the public commenters, if not the provenance of their ill-gotten gains, and if they wish to remain anonymous, which is their right, that should be recorded in the minutes. Thank you. President Mullen Peters, there are no additional speakers in the queue. Okay. Thank you. I'm going to agree we need to capture the names of the public commenters in our minutes. So uh, with that comment, I don't see anyone else in the chamber. I would take a motion and a second. I'll move adoption of the minutes. A second. Thank you. A motion by Lucan, a second by Commissioner Kansen. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Thank you. That motion carries. Uh, we'll move now to Board of Commissioner Matters and the Executive Director's Report. Are there any commissioners who'd like to share anything today? Okay, I'm not seeing any. We'll go right to our Executive Director. Hi, Kimberly. Good morning, Commissioner, or good afternoon, Commissioner, sorry. Um, I want to just make sure you have the updated packets at your, at your um, dais there with the right numbers. They had to make some changes, so I just wanted to confirm you have to use those in, instead of anything else you had. Um, and it's just the numbering that was changed of the items, okay? All right, well, with that, I just, I'll go on with my director's report, which I have attached uh, and for, the, for the public to, have, to be able to have. Um, I wanted to begin by thanking Commissioner Kansen, Commissioner Moulton-Peters, and Commissioner Lucan for attending our staff appreciation celebration earlier this month. Uh, this was a great way to celebrate all the hard work done by the staff over the last year and, 
and to celebrate all of the great work we're planning for 2023. So it meant a lot to all of us to have you there and to celebrate with us, so thank you for that. Um, and I wanted to also make sure you saw from our attached uh, Golden Gate Village newsletter that you can see all the great work that the staff is doing and all the great things that are happening in Golden Gate Village prior to beginning our revitalization efforts. In addition, I wanted to let you know that we've housed 18 families in the month of February in Golden Gate Village, and we're really excited about that. So we have a lot of new families moving in. We're hoping to, we're in conversation with the Golden Gate Village Resident Council to work on a welcoming committee and really make sure that residents feel welcomed and that we really create a good community for people living there and for the new folks moving in. So that's exciting. And we're also planning 11 new families for March in Golden Gate Village. So the, the public housing team has been working really hard to get the units turned and ready for these new families to move in, as well as doing all of the intake that it takes to move families into affordable housing in Marin. And then I'm going to move on to our Golden Gate Village revitalization update. And so under the MHA framework that was adopted by the Board of Commissioners on November 15th, the Board of Commissioners established the $2 million resident investment fund for the Golden Gate Village residents for direct financial benefits, empower residents economically, and create generational wealth. And I wanted to thank the Board of Supervisors for approving this item today at your Board of, Board of Supervisors meeting, and that the, the, the Golden Gate Village residents have been involved and will continue to be involved in shaping the use of this fund as we go forward, and the policies and the programs established by this fund are being generated by ideas that are coming out of our Golden Gate Village resident listening sessions. And these listening sessions are getting, being held once a month. We had our second listening se session in um, this month, and we had a really a pretty good turnout. And we are looking forward to our next one that will be March 23rd. In, in Golden Gate Village, we're providing childcare and, and dinner will be provided, and we're really hoping that we'll get some, another really good turnout. Um, the fund will be managed by the Marine Community Find Foundation, which was authorized by, by you as well today, which is going to be great. And with the Marine Community Foundation and their advisors, we'll, they will be working with us to create a, a, a resident or a committee uh, um, to help us manage that fund locally. And that, um, that advisory fund committee will oversee the fund and will be com comprised of residents, Marin housing staff, county staff, and, and community stakeholders. So we're looking forward to, to that now that that has moved, been a past. And uh, Marin housing is also, also aggressively marketing the enrollment of our Golden Gate Village households uh, to our Golden Gate Village households in the Rent Reporting Pilot Program and the FSS Program. Our official kickoff is planned for March 16th in the community at 5.30 it, at our, in our community space. This event will promote Marin Housing's Family Self-Sufficiency Program as the perfect complement to joining the Rent Reporting Program. Family Self-Sufficiency is a HUD-funded program that provides resources and support for public housing residents to obtain employment, achieve economic independence, and greater self-sufficiency. This program also features a huge bonus, the establishment of an interest-bearing escrow account where the difference of the rent the family pays 
when entering the program and the increased rent that would be charged as the family gains employment and increases their income. Together, these rent reporting program and FSS will support the efforts to promote greater self-sufficiency for the residents of Golden Gate Village. So we are really excited that this program is going to have its official kickoff, and we're really going to be doing aggressive marketing and, and working with the residents and our community connectors to get the word out. Uh, we are also happy to announce that we are working with the County Health and Human Services Department, nonprofits, and others to increase the services provided to Golden Gate Village residents in the community space. A community open house event is going to be planned next month. Um, also, with our, our request for proposals that we put out in, this month for our Golden Gate Village Revitalization Development Consultant Project Manager that closed on November 14th. And we are in the process right now of reviewing the responses, and we hope to be making a selection uh, by the middle of March and bringing that back to your board this month in March. And then to create better communication with the Golden Gate Village Resident Council, Marin Housing staff and I are meeting with residents and the Golden Gate Village Resident Council weekly in the community space. Um, to discuss the revitalization project, capital improvements, maintenance, and um, other items that come, come up. And that's been a really effective meeting, and um, I think it's been really supportive for, for both Housing Authority and to, for the residents and the resident council. And to that end, we met with the resident council board on February the 16th to discuss the creation of a new local preference for the Golden Gate Village uh, wait list for former Golden Gate Village residents this was a commitment that was outlined in our framework that was passed in November. And this new preference will be, um, it, it was going to be called Bringing Family Home, and I think we've changed the name to Bringing People Back. Bringing Families Back. Okay, so Bringing Families Back. And this, this preference will be given to former Golden Gate Village residents that wish to return to Golden Gate Village. After meeting with the Golden Gate Village Resident Council, our resident advisory board reviewed the preference language on February 22nd. The proposed change is currently in the required 45-day public comment period and will be, back, be um, brought back to your board in April, and then we hope to open the Golden Gate Village waiting list in April. And that concludes my director's report today. Thank you. Uh, yes, Commissioner Kansen. So I, I just want to congratulate you guys because um, I looked over this flyer and I've heard good things from people, the resident council, even the friends of Golden Gate Village about Adrian and Mike working really hard and, and Dante meeting with them. And I've heard great things about the community connectors. And you guys are just knocking it out of the park. I think you guys are doing a great job. I see the coit vans. I see... <laughs> I see the coit vans, and also I saw about the filters, and that just makes me happy with all the talks that we've had in the back and the forth, um, especially with our district supervisor and Kimberly and your team. You're doing a great job. Thank you. We appreciate that. Thank you, Commissioner Kansen. Anyone else? Very full report. Kimberly, thanks to the whole staff for making it happen. We'll open to public comment now on the executive director's report. President Moulton Peters, there are no speakers in the queue. Okay, very good. Welcome. Good afternoon, commissioners. Ebony McKinley, Community Connector. 
And just to kind of, um, I guess, elaborate a little bit more of kind of what's going on in the community center, we are very, very, very excited about the things that are happening in the public housing community. We have some really amazing things getting ready to happen in the uh, community center. Like Kimberly had mentioned, we are gonna be collaborating very closely with um, our resident council, are also dealing with um, different services that we have for the community, for the young ladies, the young girls. We're looking to have, um, what is the name of that program again? With Alexis, oh, Wise Choice for Girls is the program that we're gonna be bringing. We're looking to have a women's support group there. We're looking to have a book club there. We're looking to have um, Marin County Health and Human Services to come. So there are all these different wonderful services that are happening for the public housing community. And we just really want to take the time to thank Kimberly for believing in us and just um, moving this process forward in the public housing sector. And thank you guys very much for your support because I know it's been a long time coming, but a change is definitely happening. And we just want to thank you so much. Hi, Kahea Adams, another community connector. Um, and just like Ebony said, um, we are so grateful for this position and allowing uh, Kimberly to trust us. And um, we're gaining the community trust, um, although we're longtime residents, um, we're able to really connect with the community and they trust us to do what we do. And so we're so grateful. And also, um, we hope you join us when we have our opening of the new community space. So look forward to getting a personal invite soon. Thank you. Thank you both. We really appreciate the work you do. Okay. Oops, to resolution to authorize submission of Section 8 Management Assessment Program data for year in 2022. And Kimberly, who will be presenting that today? Uh, today, I will, I'm going to have Suzanne Joyce, who's our program manager for the Section 8 program. I do want to make a, a correction, though. That she, she, we, we are a high performer. We're not a standard performer. So the letter does say we're a, high, um, a standard performer, but this is really great news. We are a high performer this year after a couple of years of being dormant because of, of COVID. We didn't have to do our, our review, and then... Prior to that, we were a standard, but we are now a high performer. So good news. So I'm going to let her talk, tell you more about that. Okay. Uh, good afternoon, commissioners. So um, I'm really pleased to, to announce that we are a high performer on the CMAP, which is the Section 8 Management Assessment Program. Um, that we have to report to HUD every year, except for we did not report last year because of COVID, uh, for 2021. This report is for 2022, and we have 14 indicators of performance that we have to show uh, that Marin Housing has helped families to, uh, to, to afford decent rental units, um, at a reasonable sub subsidy cost and also to make sure that they're safe and they, that they have, um, that the family income is calculated correctly. So there's 14 indicators. The first one is the selection from the wait list, which we passed. We had uh, more than 98% is the key uh, performance. Uh, making sure the reasonable rents 
which we do have, we do reasonable rent um, testing on all of our move-ins and even on our annual recertifications for rent increases. Uh, we use the payment standards that are that sends out that that HUD sends out every year for the fair market rents. And like I said, verify that the family income is correctly calculated, that the annual re-examinations every year is done in a timely manner uh, according to HUD, HUD's rules and regulations. Um, utility allowance that we use, uh, that we do um, use every year is updated every 12 months. And that uh, all the inspections are done in a timely manner um, within 30 days. Uh, that was one of the indicators that we did not get all the points. And part of that is when the inspector sets up the appointments, if the tenant is not there or the landlord or owner is not there, sometimes it can be more than 30 days between the inspections. Uh, but out of all the 14 indicators, we actually passed with all the 13 out of the 14. So, thank you. Uh, thank you. And the action we need to take on this is adopting a resolution to communicate this to HUD. Is that correct? Yes. Yes, that is correct. But, and, um, and, and just to clarify, too, we have to take a random sampling of our 2,500 vouchers. And so this is a big feat, right? We take a, that, that we've got a high performer standard. It's a lot of heavy lifting by the staff of really making sure that, that all of these indicators are doing, being done properly. There's a lot of rules and regulations, as I'm sure you know, with HUD. And so um, I just want to really applaud the staff for this hard work and that we've been able to be such a good uh, high performer. Okay, I'll open now to public comment, and then we'll bring it back to the board. I don't see Mr. anyone. There are no speakers in the queue. Okay, and there's no one in the chambers. Uh, so this is a resolution of the Housing Authority approving the 2022 Section 8 Management Assessment Program certification. Oh, yes, of course. Is it just misstated on here when it says 15 key areas? Yes, there's one key area that uh, the FSS that we do not that they we it's counted, but we don't use it in. Oh, okay. I just wanted to check. Commissioner Kansen, would you care to make a motion to approve? Sure. Hey, we have a motion. Is there a <laughs> second? Thank you. Second. Okay. Thank you, Supervisor Sackett. All in favor? Aye. 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 Thank you. Thank you for that report. <clears throat> Sorry, lost my place. <laughs> okay, we're now going to move to item 12D. This regards one of our below market rate properties. Good afternoon. So the, uh, today I'm gonna, I've asked Jeff Kelly, our program manager for our home ownership program to talk about this one and we're gonna be authorized, we're asking your board to authorize the executive director to adopt the resolution to exercise the Housing Authority's option to purchase the below market rate property for a total of 265000 And I'm going to have Jeff give a little more detail on, on this. Uh, yeah, no, it's always an honor to be here on the front lines with Kimberly and colleagues at MHA and, and some of the housing advocates that are here and online. Um, affordable housing is 
definitely an issue near and dear to my heart. It affects a lot of people that I'm close to and love and affects the community that I love. So I just wanted to say it's an, it's an honor to have a role to play in that greater mission. Um, so with that, Kimberly uh, introduced me. I'm Jeff. I'm the new homeownership program manager. I'm about six months into my role. So today we're I'm bringing two um, action items before you that are fairly common and standard within the scope of work that we do at the homeownership within the homeownership program. So this um, the issue at hand, this option to purchase, as the um, letter states, um, we've been notified of an option event under specifically Section 4B of this resale restriction agreement. And just for a bit more context, an option event encompasses just about anything under the sun. So whether it's a homeowner that's looking to sell their property and move on, um, anything to um, a title being transferred without our knowledge or um, an unauthorized encumbrance being levied on the property, whatever it is, this is one of the standard first actions that we take is to make sure that we're able to execute our option to purchase because once we're notified, we have a 60-day time period to do so um, to either approve an authorized transfer, i.e., you know, qualifying whoever the next owner is going to be or remedying any default situation. And if um, those two courses of actions aren't possible. We would purchase it ourselves. So um, this, so just I, that's some context to say that I think the this is the second time you guys have met me. So when I was here a few months ago, we had the same action item, and you'll probably see a couple more of these in the months to come. Um, we're requesting a little bit of additional funds to do potential rehab. Uh, this property is about 25 years old, and um, like much of our BMM. BMR stock, it is aging, unfortunately. There's um, a lot of the below market rate housing that was that's in the county was developed in the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. And then, of course, things have definitely slowed down since the housing crisis. So um, we're kind of entering this chapter, which is something um, our team is monitoring closely, where a lot of these units are reaching 20, 30, 40 years of age and, and do need some rehab. And so with the below market rate owners being low income sometimes and oftentimes elderly, there's a lot of situations where it's prudent for us to, to step in and, and help do those rehabs and prepare it for the next owner. Um, and so um, with that, I'll pass it back to Kimberly and you guys if you have any questions. Yeah. Here you can go ahead. Further questions? Yes. Yeah, just to clarify, um, on your board letter, it states that there's rehabilitation estimated to be a total of 265000 But on the resolution, you said that's the purchasing and rehabilitation. Yes, that, that includes both the purchase and added costs of the rehab. Okay, thank you. And, so and that's, that, a, that's a, yeah, we, we don't know exactly the condition of the unit, so we're just making sure we're covering our bases. It's a total of two sixty-five. Right, thank you. correct. Yeah, thank you. I um, always like it when these items come forward, even if they're regular and <laughs> reoccurring. But just um, um, just for context, can you remind us all how many units we have in the BIMR program right now? So we have um, just we have just under I think it's 328 is the exact number at this moment. There's there's a few, and the earlier BMRs had a 30 year restriction, and over the years it's evolved into into perpetuity. So we've had a few follow off over the year, and we have um, some coming up over the next 10 years. That um, uh, So we're, we're really hoping right now our department's a little bit more in a defensive posture in terms of preserving affordable housing. Um, once, once we get our arms around that, then we'll 
look towards kind of going on the offense and figuring out ways to provide new affordable housing. Okay, I appreciate it. What I heard was potentially some of our existing housing stock that's in part of this program is going to sunset in terms of the deed restriction, so we're going to need to figure out how to prevent that from happening. That's correct. And then potentially even um, develop a game plan for expanding um, the number of units that are part of the BMR program. And that could include, I'm assuming, also partnering with other agencies or organizations? Um, yes. I mean, it really depends on developers coming into the county and, and having new development projects come online. Um, so that's historically how it's worked. Um, but if, is there the opportunity, though, for either properties to be potentially donated and or even an agency like the county in Marin um, finding a way to purchase housing stock that would then be be, be transferred into the VMR. I'm using really lay language. Yes. I'm yeah. just that, saying things out loud. There, there, um, yeah, there are multiple strategies that we could okay. go and take. All right, but but bottom line, thank you mm -hmm. so much, Jeff. I'm really yeah. glad, that, and also that the context is important, and we do need to be thinking about that. We don't want to lose properties. Right. Thank you. Yeah, two yeah, I was wondering, can you tell me a little bit more about these option events uh, in the resale restriction agreement? I'm a little familiar with them because we had B BMR units in Novato. Uh, the ones I recall is if there was a foreclosure and then, uh, you know, a bank took it over, they could turn, re turn around and sell it at market rate. In this, tell me, help me explain, help explain these option events and maybe this particular case, what happened. Well, well yeah, they, they, so they really encompass anything, including, yeah, so if a homeowner was defaulting on their mortgage and, and we would step in and, and purchase the unit to make sure that it doesn't go to foreclosure, um, even just if the homeowner notifies us that, hey, we're ready to move on and we would like to sell our unit, that actually constitute as an option event as well. Um, in, in, in this particular case, there, um, the, the title was transferred. We likely think it was a son. We just need to reach out and, and qualify that individual because we need to make sure at the time that that happens that they are a qualified heir, that they're low income, and they do plan on actually occupying the unit as their primary residence. And, and they'd also need to sign a new resale restriction agreement. So um, in this event, we're just looking to make contact with this particular new owner and just make sure that they are, in fact, an heir and that they do qualify for the program. In the event that they don't, then what we do is we buy the unit from them. Gotcha. So you said even if somebody just wanted to sell to somebody else, we would step in? I mean, or uh, No, no. Um, it, it, Historically, we would like to just, you know, facilitate the transfer to a new owner, so gotcha. do a lottery in that 60-day time period. Um, but, you know, with, the, with a lot of these BMRs aging, sometimes it's prudent, you know, somebody might be elderly that's looking to step away from the property or, or doesn't have the means to rehab the property. So in those cases, we would say, okay, we'll step in, we'll buy the unit from you at the resale restricted price, we'll, we'll put in, you know, $30,000, $50,000 of um, rehab work, which is, you know, refinishing floors and updating a kitchen gotcha. and fixing a bathroom, and then we would conduct a lottery a few months later. Okay, makes sense. Recover our funds, yeah. Wonderful. Can I, can I just clarify, when we do, if it's an heir that the, their family's passing it on to, then we wouldn't step in. Any other time there's a sale going on, um, we would step in. Yeah. So it, it, it always, we always would step in if they were selling it, trying to sell the property. Because it does have to, it has the resale restrictions, and, and we have a lottery that we manage, and so we pull from that lottery. 
Gotcha. And when you do turn around and resell it, are you able? Are you, are you restricted to the old resale value, or can you try to recoup some of that investment that went back into the property? Yes, we would. We would recoup the the funds that we invest into the unit as a rehab. Gotcha. Um, and and you know, owners are allowed to make capital improvements. You know, within reason. You know, we don't want people putting in. You know. $200,000 fancy kitchens that now make the unit unaffordable, but we would credit that those improvements, if you will, to the owner. Um, but in some cases, it's just not reasonable to place that burden on some of these low-income homeowners. Wonderful. Thank you. Mm -hmm. uh, thanks for the report, Jeff. Yeah. Oh, Sarah, I apologize. I, I, just, I just want, so, and Kimberly, you said if it's an heir, you don't step in, but in this case, you're stepping in. This is, we're not, so this is just in case we need to. So if the heir is, well, if it's either not an heir or they're not low income or they're not um, planning to occupy the unit as their primary residence, then we would essentially purchase the unit from the homeowner or from the new owner. So can I ask a quick question? How do you, do you guys have a system of just regularly looking and finding out, like looking at your properties and making sure that none of these properties are going they're they're um an annually we do occupancy monitoring so we send out you know we send out letters that have folks certify that they do occupy the residence as their or the property as their primary residence and um, they send us some proof like you know uh, utility statements and driver's license things like that just to certify that they are occupied by the owner and then one last question. Um, you know, you guys uh, sometimes, don't you have that uh, um, fund where you help if people need capital improvements? Do, does that qualify sometimes with the BMRs where people will go and uh, apply for? Oh, like, uh, yeah, rehab, rehab funds. We yeah. do have programs to help homeowners with rehabs. Um, yes, is the short answer. We do, we do have that. Um, it, it, but just like I said, we, we've run into cases where folks are, you know, they're just not in a position to manage that kind of a project. So we feel it's important to control costs and help preserve the, the units by us stepping in and managing that. But they can apply for that program if, if they need to. Yes, and, and many owners do. Many owners do their own rehabs or, or little improvements to the property, and we give them credit for it. Awesome. We just ask that they run it by us first so they, you know, so we can at least let them know, you know, hey, you're doing a $200,000 fancy shower or something and, that, you know, you can do it great, but, like, we don't want to have your luxury items essentially jeopardize the affordability of the unit. Thank you. My question was related to Commissioner Canson's that um, I'm familiar that ABEG offers the, through Bayren uh, low, in, low, low cost remodeling funds, and I just wondered if that was part of your portfolio to offer, or if you what the what the funds are you do offer for remodeling. So um, currently, right now, we have a um, Calhome rehab program that is um, we're just underway. Um, so those are the funds that we administer directly. Um, and then, you know, the, just I would love to research that more and, and just have more tools available for our BMR owners. So that, thank you for ABAG, yeah. right? Yeah, ABAG, and we can get that information. It's Bayren, and there's energy efficiency uh, financing as well as uh, low-interest loans for remodeling. So we'll, we'll get you that info. Okay. Great. Thank you. Anything else? Yes, Commissioner Hall. Yes, uh, real briefly, uh, just like to back up a little bit to the Section 8 and say thank you very much. But also, what I want to do is thank the field workers, the inspectors. 
those are the people that are holding the landlords accountable when they come to expected units. And I especially like to thank Monique for uh, doing the work that she's done surrounding my landlord because I recently received, got injured on my property and she had been instrumental in trying to get the work done, but the landlord has, had been dragging their feet. So I just want to thank the inspectors because those are the people that do the physical work. So, you know, we uh, hear a lot about the people at the top getting a lot of information, but the people in the field that are actually physically coming, developing a relationship with the tenants, they need to be acknowledged too. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm going to open now to public comment. If I don't see anyone in the chambers, is there anyone online to comment on this item? President Moulton Peters, there are no speakers in the queue. All right. I would accept a motion to authorize the executive director to adopt resolution 022-2023, option to purchase a below market rate property for a total of $2,065,000. Is there a motion? I'll move purchase of that property for $265,000. Thank you, Commissioner Kansen. Uh, all in favor? Aye. Aye. Thank you. That carries. Okay, item uh, 12E. This is a resolution of the Marin County Board of Commissioners approving an application for funding and the execution of a standard agreement and any amendments thereto to the 2022 homeownership supernova dated January 6, 2023. Okay. Go ahead. I'm going to let Jeff again speak on, on this topic. Okay. Um, so, yeah, another. Um, so, MHA has a 40-plus year legacy of successfully administering both a rehab loan fund and um, down payment assistance programs um, throughout the county. So um, with CalHome being one of the largest funding sources for both of these two programs, it's prudent for us to just apply any time and every time there's funding available. Um, so the, the one that we're, especially since we have the infrastructure in place, the two programs that we're applying for funds are already existing programs within, within MHA. Um, we are awarded down payment assistance funds back in 2012. Um, those are the funds that we would really like to see awarded because we've actually expended all those funds. So we're limited in terms of when the funds actually are returned to us, whether there's a payoff. Um, in terms of when we can actually issue those funds. So that would be one that we're really, um, we would really like to see be funded. Um, and then we're applying for additional funds for rehabilitation, which we were just awarded in 2021. Great. Questions? Anyone? No, it looks good. Uh, Going to open to public comment now on this item. President Mullen Peters, there are no speakers in the queue. Okay, we'll bring it back. So, Jeff, this is a new this this application will provide a new a new tranche of funding. Is that right? Yep, essentially, um, yeah, just add funds to existing programs. Essentially, great. Thank you. Okay, uh, be open to a motion. Anyone? I'll move approval of the item and adoption of the resolution. Thank you. Is there a second? Second. Okay, we have a motion and a second. All in favor? Aye. 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 Thank you. Thank you, Jeff. Okay. 
Kimberly, our next item for the Housing for Peace. Yes. So this, uh, this is a, a, a renewal contract that we have with the Center for Domestic Peace. And this allows us to provide case management services, and we're matching it with some, some of our vouchers to provide a wraparound housing program for uh, domestic, domestic violence survivors and their families. And uh, so this is a renewal. It, it's a, it's a pass-through from the state to uh, Center for Domestic Peace, and then we run the program for them. For the, so it's a, a renewal program of $135,617. And we, we hope to house about 10 families with, with these dollars. So we're just right. asking for your approval for, of this contract. Okay. Any questions? I'm going to look to my left. Yes, Commissioner sir. Hall, please. So um, when you say housing people, are they going to be housed in public housing properties or are these <coughs> private units that they're going to be housed in because I'm very familiar with domestic violence because I teach a domestic violence class. Uh, usually the uh, person being uh, housed here, is this, uh, is this a house just for women where they house people as children right now or these individual units that they're going to be put in? Uh, these are scattered site Section 8 vouchers, so not public housing. It's working with Center for Domestic Peace. So a lot of the, all the fam a lot of the families are being referred from from uh, Center for Domestic Peace to the housing authority. Most have uh, they all have you know, domestic violence, and then most also have uh, co-occurring substance abuse, mental health situations. So we're, our our staff is is skilled in all of that. And so that's the specialty on this one. It's a little bit different than just domestic violence. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Please, Commissioner Katz. Um, I met at the last conference you have a, a lady that's running the mental health part of it. What's her name? I can't. Dr. Erin Testa. That's right. So will she be um, coordinating with some of the people that have mental health? Will they be able to still participate in that program? She is the clinical supervisor over the staff, and then, so yes, so she's very involved. She's doing a great job, by the way. She is. And Rice. Yeah, Kimberly, so just uh, to, to clarify for me, so this is basically, this is the case management piece, specifically for victims of domestic violence, but it's getting married up against, these folks also have a Section 8 voucher in their hand. Correct, yes. Which is provided through a, a, a different source. Yes, the Center for Domestic Peace has a preference on our wait list, so they are able to put, I believe it's 15 uh, folks on our wait list every year. And so those are the, those are the people that we're basically working with. Right, and then, and then this is the funding to help give them that case manage that they're going to need to navigate into housing and then the, the support going forward. Yes, to continue with the wraparound services. Thank you. Yes. Okay, I believe we had a motion by Commissioner Lucan, second by Commissioner Rice. So I'm going to ask uh, for a vote now. Uh, or was that the last one? one. Yeah, well, I'm getting ahead of but myself. But I will make a motion to <laughs> Thank approve you. this item as well. Perfect. And I'll second <laughs> <laughs> That worked. Thank you. We have a motion to second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Oh, I'm sorry. Public comment. We'll do retroactive. Okay. 
We have Royce McLemore. Please unmute. Uh, how can one get this, the statistics on uh, the breakdown of, of those participants uh, that have to that are participating in this program? Because the reason why I'm asking is uh, I've had a client recently who uh, definitely a candidate for uh, the services, but in the end, she still was not without, um, you know, she didn't get served in plain English. So um, I'd like to have a demographic breakdown of the participants don't need their names, but in terms of their ethnicity. <clears throat> Hello? Yes, hi, Royce. Yes, so you want ethnicity, uh, do you also want In terms of the, the, the participants that are in the Center for Domestic Violence, because uh, they don't, within Marin City community, they don't have a good track record, even though they have a worker that cut, that is down here. But when uh, clients face the life-death kind of situation, they're not very slow and not really helping the client. Client's still in a dangerous situation. Okay, uh, thank you. Royce, we'll look into that. President Mo Peters, there are no additional speakers in the queue. Okay, I'm going to call for a vote on this and uh, acknowledge the comment that was just made. Uh, all in favor? Is it? Oh, what? Oh, we got to vote. We got to okay. vote. We got to vote. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we have a motion and a second. All in favor of approving this item with Center for Domestic Peace? Aye. Aye. Okay, thank you. We'll move now to public open time uh, for not items not on the agenda. Uh, if you'd like to comment. This is the time. Uh, please raise your hand. Uh, we don't have anyone in the, uh, the chamber, so I'm assuming it's all online. I see one hand, and maybe there'll be more. Yes, Royce McLemore, please unmute. Uh, I got in on the, the meeting when uh, Kahea and Ebony were uh, talking about all the various services that they're going to be providing or sponsoring or being the hostess too. My concern is that there was a party and I, I talked to Ebony and Kahea yesterday as it relates to the type of party that went on uh, this last Friday and how it was a disturbance to the neighborhood. Now, I hope going forward that they're more organized in uh, who and where, because just because it's the center there illegally took back from the resident council, there are still neighbors there. And to have blasting music, kids and adults, you know, mixed party, there needs to be uh, some sort of real supervision. And I know that they said that one of the neighbor who had complained is the neighbor that gets paid $200 a month from the housing authority to oversee it. Regardless of who, that type of the, uh, mentality that, was, that went on inside and outside was really, I could see how people from the outside would want to deem 
that this is how residents live their lives as just being heathenistic, uh, but not so. If, if you're disturbing the peace, it doesn't matter what time. It doesn't matter if, if it's 8 o'clock at night. People have a right to a peaceful enjoyment, and that includes housing authority staff making sure that it's so. Thank you. Senator Mullen Peters, there are no additional speakers in the queue. Thank you. I'm gonna I'm gonna give it another uh, little time now. Is there anyone else who wishes to address the board uh, online? And um, all right, I'm not seeing any hands go up. So thank you. I'm gonna close public uh, comment and acknowledge the comments that Royce McLemore made. And uh, I'll bring it back now to our executive director. If there's anything you want to comment on this item. Uh, we, with our with our um, community space, one of the benefits was we we really did want to bring it back to a place where families could do some celebration in a clubhouse, so to speak, at their at their community. And uh, this, so we do have it where anything that happens has to be done by 9:30. In this case, it was done by 9:30. Um, I will be working with, and I will be meeting with the resident council on Thursday, and we can speak more in detail of this. And maybe, you know, maybe it's the decision of the residents that we don't want to allow residents to have parties, or maybe there's some other thing we can do. So we'll, we'll explore that along with the resident, with our community connectors and the resident council. Thank you. And I, I assume there's rules for use of the space and good neighbor policies and things like that. But yes, there is. Okay. Thank you very much. Uh, if there isn't anything else on the part of my colleagues, I'm going to adjourn this meeting. And thank you very much, all of you, for the meeting. Thank you. Thank you to the Housing Authority staff. Okay, we're adjourned.